Amen. There was a mother of three notorious kids who was asked once, if she had it all to do over again, would she have children? And she said, sure, but not the same ones. <laughs> I want to wish a belated Happy Mother's Day to all of you ladies. Uh, you probably heard that I was stranded in Oklahoma and unable to get here last Sunday by a, a set of circumstances over which I had no control. I'm sorry I couldn't be here. I wanted to be. But while I was in Oklahoma, in my hometown, I got a chance to visit the local cemetery where my parents are buried and visited their graves and my parents-in-law and my grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends and acquaintances and families that I've known since I was a boy. And I also got to visit the graves of the parents of a boyhood friend of mine who were both senselessly murdered on April 19, 1995 by the domestic terrorist Timothy McVeigh in the bombing of the Murrah Federal Building in downtown Oklahoma City. In the publicity leading up to McVeigh's execution for his crimes, there was a great deal of debate that ensued about whether or not he might repent of his sins and ask forgiveness, both from God and from those he had hurt. In the end, he did not do that. His final statement was little more than self-justification and an assertion of his self-will. And his refusal to be reconciled to God has naturally brought for him an eternal misery. Did that mean that those who were injured or who lost family members in the bombing could then forget about forgiving Timothy McVeigh? Did his complete lack of remorse and repentance right up to the end, did that make it okay for them to harbor an eternal hatred for him? What exactly is our obligation as Christians to forgive those who sin against us? Can we withhold forgiveness if there is no repentance? Does God withhold forgiveness if there is no repentance? I want us to look into the scripture this morning in Matthew chapter 6 in that section of verses that contains what we typically know as the Lord's Prayer. But we're focusing in today on just one verse from that prayer and the two verses that follow. And we'll come back to talk about Jesus' instructions on prayer probably next week. But this morning I want us to focus just primarily on uh, a couple of verses, verse 12 and then verses 14 and 15. If you're able with me, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? And we'll read, beginning in verse 9, the words of Jesus, who says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sin. Thank you. Please be seated. <clears throat> Charles Williams has said of this part of the Lord's Prayer that, that tells us to forgive, uh, to ask for forgiveness as we have forgiven others. He he says, no word in English carries a greater possibility of terror than that little word as in that clause. It's very sobering to think that Jesus tells us to ask God for forgiveness in proportion to our forgiveness of others. And it's very much like Jesus' words in the next chapter, in chapter 7, on judging others. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So as serious as this is, as much of a warning as this is, it still doesn't make it any easier to forgive, does it? The Bible never tells us that forgiving will be an easy thing. In fact, it can be a very hard thing. It was a very hard thing for God to forgive us. In the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus was preparing to go to the cross, He prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup of suffering be taken from me. He was counting the cost of our forgiveness. And the Bible tells us that the sweat rolled off of Him like great drops of blood. But he knew there was no other way. He asked his disciples not to forget what he was about to do, to remember his body given for us, to remember his blood shed for us, for the forgiveness of sins, he told his disciples later in Matthew. And as Jesus hung on the cross dying for us, he prayed, Father, forgive them, meaning all of them, the soldiers, the religious leaders, His disciples who had fled in the darkness, even you and me. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For God, forgiveness was as unimaginably difficult as the cross, but He did it anyway. And He expects us to follow His example, based on what we read in the scripture for the morning. So why then do so many people refuse to forgive? Well, there are various reasons that they think are good and just reasons. For example, they believe forgiveness minimizes the seriousness of the sin. Or that it puts too much responsibility on the victim. Or that it lets offenders off the hook too easily. Or that it's just plain unfair to forgive. In our human nature, those reasons make sense to us. And thus the old saying, to err is human, to forgive divine, as if only God is capable of forgiving. For humans, it's a, it's a very challenging thing. And that's why Philip uh, Yancey calls forgiveness an unnatural act. In our nature, we don't tend to do it. He uh, 
says, by nature we resist forgiving others because, as he says, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, not a dog-forgive-dog world. But it's a grave mistake to withhold forgiveness, no matter how reasonable it may seem to do so, if for no other reason than that God has told us to forgive, not to withhold forgiveness. Our responsibility is to live by faith, and to do what God tells us to do, even if it may not seem right or fair. By forgiving others, we are trusting that God is better at dispensing justice than we are. And certainly He is. So don't let some common myths and misunderstandings about forgiveness trip you up on the way to forgiving others. For example, don't confuse forgiveness with repentance. They're different things. It is the offender who must repent, but the one who is injured, the victim, doesn't require that in order to extend forgiveness. You can forgive whether the offender repents or not, and you should. Think of forgiveness not so much as an obligation as a privilege. It is an opportunity to be free from anger and hatred and bitterness. Now, about six or eight months ago, I preached a series of messages on forgiveness and went into this stuff in more detail. If you want to review that, you can go back and watch those sermons on our website. But don't confuse forgiveness with repentance. And don't confuse forgiveness with consequences. When I forgive you, I give up my right to hurt you for hurting me, but that doesn't release you from the consequences of your actions. You see, I can forgive you for getting drunk and crashing your car into mine, but the law is still probably going to send you to jail. Forgiveness and consequences uh, are not the same thing, and forgiveness doesn't absolve all consequences. Don't, for, don't confuse the two. And finally, don't confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. You can forgive even when reconciliation doesn't take place, and, and reconciliation isn't required for forgiveness to take place. Forgiveness doesn't have any strings attached. Reconciliation has a lot of strings attached. Forgiveness is just the first step toward a rebuilt relationship. To reconcile, there are a lot of things that have to happen, and trust has to be painstakingly rebuilt in order for the relationship ever to be what it was before. But forgiveness can happen whether that does or not. God's forgiveness is universally available to any sinner, but reconciliation with God is dependent on repentance. The sinner must repent in order to have that reconciled relationship that God desires so desperately. Without repentance, the stiff-necked rebel who bows up and refuses to acknowledge his own need for the very forgiveness that God offers essentially rejects God's grace. Though forgiven as far as God may be concerned, he's still lost because he refuses to receive God's gift of grace. 
And part of the evidence of his failure to receive God's grace is his refusal to extend forgiveness to others. Now, I know that's rather complex. It's somewhat nuanced. Jesus knows that. But it makes perfect sense if you can get your brain around it. And so Jesus put it very simply. You know, it's it's sort of a question of which comes first, the chicken or the egg? We forgive because we've been forgiven, but it's because we've been forgiven that we can forgive. And it's evidence of that. So Jesus just puts it in a way that anyone can understand it. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In other words, you'll never realize the blessings of being forgiven because you've never realized the blessings of forgiving. The late Bible scholar Leon Morris explains it better than I can. He says, Jesus is saying that to fail to forgive others is to demonstrate that one has not felt the saving touch of God. The act of forgiving, he says, is evidence that the grace of God is at work in the forgiving person and that that same grace will bring him forgiveness in due course. So if we want to be like Christ, and every follower of Christ should, then we will forgive. And in the end, we will find that we have been forgiven. The old hymn says, God's grace is greater than all our sin, and it is. But it's also a very fragile flower that can only take root in the soil of a tender heart. And a heart that hardens itself against others hardens itself also against God's grace. That's why the two are so closely related. As you look into your heart today, what do you find there? Do you find a willingness, even an eagerness to forgive those who sin against you? Or do you find a long list of grudges that you just can't bring yourself to release and let go? If that's the case, maybe the fruit of forgiving others hasn't grown in your heart because the seed of God's forgiveness has never been able to take root in your heart. If so, then hear this. God has already provided for your forgiveness through His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. All you have to do is acknowledge your sin in repentance and open your heart in faith to receive it and to let the grace of God begin to bear the fruit of forgiveness in your life. I'm going to finish this morning with a story before we come to the table of the Lord. The classic MG convertible was moving briskly through the afternoon traffic, the driver enjoying the nimble response of the small high-powered sports car. After driving her minivan, this little red car was like taking off her boots and putting on running shoes. Driving along with the wind in her hair, she tried to look casual and at ease, but Inside, she was a little tense because she didn't often drive this car. This was her husband Jim's pride and joy. 
She saw only a blur of color out of the corner of her eye. She instinctively swerved to miss the boy on the bicycle and veered instead into the side of a large gray pickup. The car stopped suddenly with a deafening kerthunk. For a second, there was the tinkle of falling glass, and then it was very still for what seemed like a long time. Hey, lady, you okay? Someone asked as strong arms lifted her from the vehicle, helped her to the curb. I'm fine, she said. I just need to sit here for a minute. All she could think was, I'm fine now. But Jim's going to kill me when I get home. As she waited for the police to show up, she, she remembered how excited Jim was when he found that car. He'd wanted one ever since he was a boy. And this one was a, a rare treasure. He'd spent countless Saturdays fixing it, polishing it. He knew every bolt and every piece of chrome on the vehicle. It wasn't really his wrath that she feared. He was actually a very gentle and loving husband. But she dreaded the hurt and the anguish that would show on his face when she had to give him the news. That for her was going to be worse than if he were to get angry and yell. Thank God I'm not hurt, she thought, but I sure am worried about telling Jim. I, I hope he can forgive me. She was shaken from her thoughts when the policeman came up and asked, Ma'am, may I see your driver's license and insurance papers, please? The officer felt sorry for her himself. He thought, boy, what a great little car that was. She walked over to the car. She got her purse. She grabbed the insurance packet out of the glove compartment. She gave the officer her license and opened up the plastic package that contained the insurance papers. To her surprise, there on top of all the documents was a white envelope with her name on it. So she opened it up and she began to read. Dear Beth, if you're reading this, you have probably been in an accident. <laughs> Don't worry. I pray that you are all right. And just remember, it's you that I love. Signed, Jim. You know, the, the Bible is God's letter saying to you, no matter how you may have wrecked your life, just remember, it's you that I love. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so undeserving of your love, but you love us anyway. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in demonstration of the depth and the extent and the breadth of your love. I pray, God, that we might sense that love and respond to it, each of us in one way or another, at one time or another, somehow or another, to one extent or another, we have wrecked our lives. We have all sinned and fallen short of your glory. But I pray, God, that we might humble ourselves, acknowledge our need for your forgiveness, repent of our sins, and put our faith and trust in you through Jesus Christ. And God, may that awareness of your love and grace and forgiveness grow in our hearts and make us into forgivers 
those who recognize that grudges are prisons that we put ourselves into. May we instead choose to be free by forgiving and living for you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a stanza or two of